Here's the setup. If you are in Christ, it's how the New Testament talks about being in Christ. It's a way of saying if God's gotten a hold of your life, if the Spirit is alive in your life, if you have been born again in Christ, to use Jesus' very words, you are different. There is no getting around this. It is not something you have to strive to do. It is an inevitability as a result of God working in you. If God is at work in your life, he will make you different. And throughout the Bible, is God is shaping us into something different. He is simultaneously putting a picture out in front of us or issuing kind of a call, if you will, to what that different kind of life is all about that we who are seeking to follow Jesus in the world today are trying to, uh, to be like, to do, to jump into. And we're using the Ten Commandments as a guide to understand this. Now, the Ten Commandments were given to ancient Israel as part of a covenant or promise that God entered in with them to show them how to be different. You'll find them in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. These Ten Commandments, though, really aren't just ten simple commands at all, but are more like a table of contents or a root directory. Ten ideas, ten statements, if you will, summarizing different aspects of a person's life and relationship not only to God, but to other people. And for ancient Israel, these Ten Commandments headed off this covenant that God was entering into with his people. And for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been using them as a guide in the exact same way to think about, to summarize, to kind of approach and delve into this different kind of life that I'm talking about here today. Are you with me on this? And so today, we come to number three. Now, the ordering of the Ten Commandments is not all the same depending on who you're looking at, who you're reading. They might order it differently. So don't let the numbering confuse you if the numbering I'm giving you is a little bit different than maybe something you've seen or learned. What matters is we're getting all the same data at the end of the day. But today is, by the ordering that we're using, number three. Let's review really quick where we've been. The first is this. You shall have no other gods before me. Can you say that? Boom, short and sweet. The second is this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Can you say that? So the first commandment is all about this. God saying, make me your God. I want to be your God. There's a lot of gods you can have in this world. A lot of things that you can give your life to. A lot of things that you can put first that will define you. God's saying, make it me. And the second commandment relates. He says, don't do it lightly. Far more than just saying like some four-letter word with God's name attached. It's about bearing his name. Do not take the name of Yahweh upon yourself lightly or vainly. Take it sincerely. Seriously, take it with the full weight of what it means to be identified as a person of God in this world. So God leads off by saying, make me your God. And he follows it up by saying, and make sure it's special. Make sure it's important. Make sure it's not something that is lip service 
only. Which leads us to number three today, and here it is. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Can you say it here with me today? And just in case you forget, here it is. Commandment number three. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So, let's clear up some initial things in this command. First of all, Sunday is not the Sabbath day. Saturday is. The first day of the week is not what this is talking about it will become clear momentarily that it is talking about the seventh. And so God comes to his people and he says, every week, I want you to take that last day. I want you to take that seventh day and I want you to set it apart because that's all the word holy means, to be set apart for some special kind of purpose. Take that seventh day and set it apart in some kind of way. Now, there's some puns going on here in the language that I want to bring you into here today. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. Can you give me a good Shabbat? And Shabbat is related to a very similar word that would be Shavath, Shabbat versus Shavath, which means to stop to cease, to rest, to kind of like stop doing the task you're doing, to stop doing the work you're doing, to stop going along the path you're going. Just, just pause here for a moment. If you were to see it in an icon, it would be two vertical little lines. It's pause day. Does that make sense? So, on the Shabbat, you should Shabbat. Are you with me? But it's also very related to the Hebrew word for seven, which is Shavah. Can you say Shavah? Shavah? And you can even kind of hear the word seven in there a little bit, can't you? So basically what God is saying is every Shavah day, make it a Shabbat in which you Shabbat. Are you with me? That's how God rolls. And how do you keep it holy? Well, I've just alluded to it already. You keep it holy by pausing, by ceasing, by resting, by getting my remote to work. <laughs> Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 20, where the first commandments are first lined out and given to ancient Israel on that mountain called Sinai. It says, remember the Sabbath day, remember the Shabbat day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the Shavah day is a Shabbat to the Lord your God. How do you keep it holy? Hit pause. You shall not do any work. Not just you. It's not like, man, you kick back in that recliner. It's like, serve me today, right? No, it's not about getting other people to do stuff for you either. They need to hit pause too. Your son or your daughter, who exists to make your life easier, would you agree? <laughs> your male or your female slave. Hopefully you're not owning those here today, all right? Your livestock or the alien resident in your town. Not talking about ETs, right? The immigrants who have moved among you. 
pause. Take a day to pause. To cease from the regular routine of life. To cease from the demands of work and to-dos that occupy our every moment. To step away momentarily. To say, I will not do that today. God has called me to something different. He has caused me He has called me to Shavath, to cease or rest or pause on this Shavah day, every week, every month of every year, for as long as we both shall live, right? Okay, straight up, doesn't that just like sound amazing? Do you not find yourself fantasizing just a little bit right now going, Oh my gosh, that sounds like the best thing ever. And if it does, you're starting to kind of tap into the nature of who God actually is. How many people think of God's commands as being these authoritarian, rigid, austere kind of rules meant to suck the fun out of your life and destroy the joys of this world? God is literally saying, I want you to be different by making every seventh day a holiday. And I don't mean a holiday where we're spending 23 hours cooking and cleaning the house and doing all the other nonsense we fill our holidays with. Just pause. Just pause every seventh day. Man, I fantasize about that and I do something simultaneously and I bet you're doing it too. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) And it might not be that your boss at your job who gives you your paycheck that's demanding it. But it's the legion of other tasks that pile up, isn't it? The things we put off through the week to catch up on when we finally get a moment to pause and find that we work ourselves to a bone even more, don't we? Running around, picking this up, fixing that, bringing this to this person, following up on that, catching up here, doing that, and God's going, what are you doing? Take a day. Take a day. Take a Sheva day to Shavath and make it a Shabbat to me. And what I love about the Ten Commandments is it doesn't leave it just there. But God then goes on to answer the million-dollar question. And the million-dollar question is, why? Now, the answer to that question might seem pretty simple on the surface. Why? Because it sounds great. And maybe that's enough. But I think there's more going on oftentimes with God than meets the eye. And Exodus keys us into it. Look at what it says. Do this. Because in six days, Yahweh, well, in six days, he made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But what did he do? Well, he shavatsed on the Shavah day as well. He rested on the seventh day. He hit pause. In six days, God did his work. He was hard at it, pouring himself in heart and soul. But on the seventh day, man, no, Yahweh rested. And so he blessed it. 
and consecrated it. And I think what this command is doing is it's giving us a window. It's giving us a window and what it means to have the different kind of life and the different kind of life that God is calling you to. And the different kind of life can be summed up in the third commandment by simply saying this. Be like God. Because what it means to be a different kind of person, alive in God's spirit, is to become not just different in some random kind of way, but to become more like him. Do you realize that God is trying to make you be like him? That God wants to cast you in his image. That God wants you to be more like him. That when you make him your God, when you make him something special, when you take his name upon you, he says, now be like me. Copycat me. Emulate me. Do what I do and think how I think and pattern your life how I patterned my own there's some of you here today who want to be gods. I've got good news for you. God wants you to be a god too. Or at least like one. There's some of you here who think you're gods today. God's got some hard news for you if that's the case. But are you getting the essence and the soul of what this commandment is about? It's to say God is calling me to a different way of life. God is calling me to be like him. Have you ever noticed how kids are often like their parents, how sons are often like their fathers? Whether they like it or not, <laughs> if you are in Christ, whether you like it or not, you're becoming more and more like your heavenly father. It's just inevitable. There's no getting around it, but have you ever noticed how often sons will kind of rebel against their fathers and daughters against their mothers going, I am not going to be like that. And they almost pride themselves on a way of life of just like defying their moms and dads for the sake of doing it. Well, we'll get there next week, all right? But you're getting the teaser because there's a progression going on. No, God's saying, come on, be like me. It's cool to be like me. It's good to be like me. There's something here. There's something here that I want for you. The third commandment is this. Be like God. This is why Paul will write to the early Christians saying, be imitators of Christ. It's why the Christian community for 2,000 years has talked about being like Christ. It's why we talk about Christ-likeness, that you are being made and cast and called into the very image of him. Isn't this like the coolest commandment you have now ever seen? Well, I got good news for you. It doesn't stop there because the 10 commandments are listed in two places in the Bible. Exodus chapter 20 is the first, but the second where it's repeated is in Deuteronomy chapter five. Now I know this is painful, but I really want you to do it with me. Say Exodus chapter 20. Say Deuteronomy chapter five. Now say them both together. And now you'll never forget. Now you know where to find the Ten Commandments in the Bible. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments are given right after God pulls Israel out of Egypt. And see, what God did is he rescued Israel from slavery and oppression in Egypt. And within just a couple of months, he brings them to this mountain. It's called Sinai. He comes on the mountain and he gives them a pattern for a new way 
to live. But see, the real hard trick for God was not getting Israel out of Egypt. Now, God had that one down. The hard thing was getting Egypt out of Israel. And so, in this messy, hard, difficult, contentious, rebellious kind of fashion, the people of Israel did nothing but kick against God, fight against God's... God called them stiff-necked. You ever just kind of, you ever get like wrestler neck? You know, just lock up your neck and then ask someone sitting next to you to try to move you here today, right? You're just mm, mm, fighting against you. It's a picture of ancient Israel with God. And you ever have a moment where you're just like so sick of fighting someone, you're like, fine, you know what? Fine. And God kind of does that. He goes, fine, you know what? You want to wander in this desert? Stay in the desert for all I care. You ever talking to your kid? Fine. You want to stay home? Stay home. I don't care. We're going, right? And for 40 years, they find themselves consigned to wandering the wilderness because of stiff necks. Deuteronomy comes at the end of that 40 years. And it's kind of like a reboot. Moses is now an old man. He's on death's doorstep. He comes to the people of Israel and goes, hey, remember 40 years ago how your mom and dad, they saw God and God came to them and, and, and told them this different way of living? And they're like, yeah. And like, do you remember how like they totally messed it up and you had to live in a desert for 40 years because of your mom and dad? And they're like, yeah. And Moses goes, here's the list again. But you do it differently. And if you read that second list in Deuteronomy 5 of the Ten Commands, you'll find it is nearly identical except for this command. Now, I'm going to leave Exodus 20 on the screen for you, but I want to read Deuteronomy 5, this specific command to you today. You see if you can pick up on the substantive difference. Here we go. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the aliens within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of it with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Where did it go off the rails? Did you catch it? Did you catch where the paths diverged? The end of Exodus 20 tells us why we should do the third commandment. Because God did. And you should be like God. But did you see that Deuteronomy didn't mention that at all? Did you catch that? There was no mention of God in creation. There was no mention of God at work. There was no mention of God resting. No, it mentioned something very different instead. Did you catch it? Do it 
Why? Because you were a slave. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And God brought you out of it. He brought you out of it with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So keep this day. Why? Because you are no longer slaves. Slaves work every day. Slaves work at their master's bidding. Slaves have little choice in the matter. They are commanded and they do or there's consequence. God is telling you, that is not the different kind of life I've brought you into. I have brought you out of slavery, not to bring you into a different kind of slavery. I have brought you out of slavery into freedom. So stop living like a slave. And isn't it fascinating how we mess this up. How we who live in 2023 United States of America with an amendment that guarantees that we are no longer slaves enslaving ourselves every single day to powers and tasks and jobs that be. Gotta do it. Gotta catch up. Gotta get through the list. Gotta clean the house. Gotta check my email. Gotta run 23 errands. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Gotta, gotta, gotta. How many of us live in self-imposed slavery? No taskmaster over us, but enslaving ourselves to ourselves. Enslaving ourselves to the never-ending sea of work, to the never-ending demands placed upon our life, to the never-ending expectations that people have for us, and truth be told, that we have for ourselves. To try to cast ourselves in a different kind of person. All the while, God's saying, I don't want you to be that kind of person. I want you to be this kind of person, a person who lives free, a person who is not a slave. I am fully convinced that if Christians today would simply on this matter live as people who are free, it would bear more witness to a world that hates God today and has the wrong ideas about God than all the evangelism we do to show them a different way of life unencumbered by the anxiety of what must be done. A different way of life to be able to celebrate and enjoy the freedom that God has brought us into. To show gratitude to God, saying, look at these gifts you've given me. The gifts that really matter. That I squander. That I ignore. And that I waste. Because I have so much to do. No, that's a life of slavery and God has given you so much, hasn't he? Think of what God has given you. This world in which he's placed you. The family and friends that are in your life. The community that you have. The gifts and talents and passions that he swirled alive in your heart. The interests and joys that the wonderful things of this world bring to be able to spend time with him in his presence. Think of what God has given you. 
And how often do we walk away because there are just too many bullet points to cross off the list? God is saying in this command, not only be like me, but don't be a slave. Live is someone who is free. Are you getting this command here today? And if it was cool before, is it now not double down the coolest command that you have ever seen? I love how the Catechism of the Catholic Church comments on this command. It is so, like, just rock on awesome. I got to share it with you today. Look at what it says The Sabbath brings everyday work to a halt and provides a respite. It is a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. Man, isn't that like last sentence just get in your skin? That what the Sabbath day is, it's a protest. It's a defiance. I am a slave no longer. It is a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. And God wants you to protest the servitude of this world that seeks to enslave you from the freedom that God has given you to enjoy him in the gifts he gives. The Sabbath is a day to celebrate. To say, God, you are good. And I will show my thanks to you by reveling in the good that you have given without worry, without anxiety, without an internal drive that I should be working right now. No, I am free, baby. I am no longer a slave. Welcome to what it means to be a different kind of person in the kingdom of God. but I know what you're thinking. It sounds really good, but the practicality of it, it's an impossibility. Because we do need to work. Otherwise, things don't get done. And many times those things aren't trivial. They're important. Sometimes our livelihood depends upon them. Sometimes there are consequences, even dire consequences. If we don't get ahead, fix this, get that, or do whatever task is on the list, right? I don't think that's just true for me. We need money. We depend on it. And sometimes it's tight. Be that tight for our survival or tight for the lifestyle that we have adopted and want. No, the reality is it sounds great, but I need to work and I need money. How do I do it? Which is the third insight into this command I want to give you today. Because not only is this command about becoming like God, not only is this command about casting off slavery and living in the freedom of God, it's about trust as well. It's about saying, Lord, I need to work, but I trust that you'll provide. Lord, I need money, 
but I trust that you'll provide. Lord, if I don't do these things, fill in your blank. But I trust that if I honor you and do it your way, you've got me in this. And you aren't letting go. This commandment is fundamentally about this. Do you trust God? Actually trust him. Not the lip service we give to faith. When we talk about theoretical ideas or things so distant from our horizon that they just feel like speculation. No, in the day-to-day, do you trust him? With yourself, with your livelihood, with your future. Do you trust him with your family? Do you trust him with your job? Do you trust him with your home? Do you trust God? What God is doing is saying, trust me. You can trust me. I'm asking you to trust me. And give all these things over to me. And see if I don't provide. (laughs) So the rubber hits the road when it comes to faith, isn't it? That's a different kind of life God's calling us to. It was a command for ancient Israel. It's overflowing with wisdom, I think, for us today. God wants you to put him first. God wants you to bear his name. And God wants you to be like him. Living and reveling in the freedom he gives. Marked by a life of trust in him. And in that name, he asks us to carry. To bear. Welcome to the different kind of life that God is doing. And I pray that Take them up on that. Take them up on that. Let that stir in you and bring you to something different than the pattern we often live.